I'm Sam Taggart with Can't Knock This, host of the first ever Door-to-Door Con, bringing professional collaboration to the direct selling and door-to-door industry. Go register your seat for our event January 2018 at door-to-doorcon.com. I'm here with Peter Swenson, the legend, the myth. Um, okay, so those of you guys, this, I'm Sam Taggart with DDD Podcast, and Peter is the divisional vice president of, he's one of, one the, of, one of yeah. the divisional vice presidents of North Star Home or Security Smart Home. North Star Direct. North Star Direct, yes. yeah. And we're here in Arizona in his office. It's an awesome office, right by ASU, right? Yeah. And uh, half the time I don't even know where I'm at, but... Yeah. You know, I flew down here, I figured, you know, connect with one of the beasts. He's been in door-to-door for over eight years now, and he has a really unique background because he started in books. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like, wait, people still sell books? And I think it's kind of a cool... You 160 know, years they've been selling books. Yeah, yeah, and it's still a huge staple. I mean, how many reps do you think they have? Um, the, well, the European division is growing faster than the American division, but I think there's still around 2,000 or 3,000 students, usually college students, that will knock on doors and sell books every summer. So I did that for four years before my eight years in Alarms and Smart Home. Yeah, and, and I think like, oh, so yeah, I mean, that's 12, 12 years of business. Yeah, so I mean, a giant in the space, he's been super successful um, and has a unique approach because a lot of us are all cut from the same cloth, where you're cut from a different cloth. You're not the Utah, you're not the, you know, Alarm. You, you, you came from this regiment of the book structure. Yeah. And then you've applied that to you know how you run your business. I'm assuming today, and yeah. Some of the cool principles. So I think this will be kind of a cool, diverse podcast. So those that are listening, um, just a different perspective, a different viewpoint of the world. But um, yeah, I'm excited. So we're going to talk about a few things. You you know, uh, leadership and leadership development, and, and and your favorite principles on like about leadership. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk on schedule and you know the scheduling in the off season and the and the season because like. A lot of times, we just get caught in the whirlwind and, and, and diving into like how do you stay on track in the recruiting season to really ramp up for the summer and then mm-hmm. uh, and then back. maximizing your opportunity. Yeah, like, while you're in direct sales. Yeah, or whatever time that you're doing this, maximizing what that time is worth. Yeah, because I think a lot of people take it for granted. They look back three years and then they're like, shoot, like I didn't realize how good I had it. Yeah. And so we'll we'll dive into those things. So if you're watching this and you know Peter. Give them a little thumbs up. Give them some love. Share this because there's other people or tag some friends that need to be watching this live. Um, or if you're listening to the podcast, like um, feel free to comment or stuff like that on here. Uh, the things that you take, I always, I always say, give a thumbs up when you find a nugget, right? So if you're listening and you're like, you're like, wow, that was a nugget. Give it a little thumbs up. You know, give it some love. So um, let's dive into this. I want to hear kind of the backstory. Twelve years ago, you are how old? Twelve years ago, I am. 19. 19. 19. How'd you get into this whole book thing? Um, cousin recommended me to his buddy that he played hockey with in college. Okay. And I got a phone call. I went to the overview session in the, this little dungeon of a library at the little liberal arts school I went to in Minnesota, small Catholic school, college, and uh, saw something I wanted. I knew that I was different. I knew that I was looking for a way to showcase my ability in the business world, and I didn't want to do what a lot of my friends were doing, so... Um, I sold books, and the, it was a very, a very intense schedule. And the schedule is pretty much the same today um, with that company, Southwestern, as it was, uh, you know, 12 years ago. But during the summer, well, the summer kicks off with a week-long sales school. So you, everybody goes cool. to Nashville. It's a five-day, 12 hours a day training event. 
The which, sales school kickoff. Yeah, that is it's 12 so hours cool. a day, five days, and that gets you ready for the summer, which is six days a week, 14, 13 and a half hours a day. So, so anybody that's knocking and you're like, I've been out here for five hours and I want to kill myself, try 13 hours. Yes. 13 hours, do the math. What time you start and what time you end? It was, uh, so when you started, you had to knock on your first door. The agreement was by 7.59, before 8 a.m. every day, you're on a door. And there's some days when I, I hadn't made it to my area, so I'd have to pull over in a random neighborhood and knock just to stay with integrity. And then you work until 9.30, at least 12 years ago, it was 7.59 to 9.31 p.m. So it was at least 13 and a half hours every day, six days a week. And I did, yeah, so I did that for four I don't. I've never knocked a day like that in my life. But you actually, so it's better than that, you wake up at six, so there's this universally agreed upon schedule uh, not required, but really agreed upon. You wake up at 6 a.m. and the first thing you do is take a cold shower. Wow. So you jump, you go as, you know, I was sold up in Michigan and Pennsylvania and where it's really cold water. And so you've got the ice cube water coming down the shower. You jump in, scream, do a little dance, jump out of the shower. Your roommates, because you live in, uh, you live with families. You live in like their spare bedroom or their basement or their attic oh, wow. with two or three roommates. And so everybody's jumping out, doing a quick shower, packing their lunch, getting out, doing breakfast together, jumping in their car and driving to their area. And then you work solo all day, six days a week like that. And then on Sundays, we drove, you know, half an hour to three hours to do a big, like, statewide sales meeting. And that would be our one, um, I guess you, some people would call it a correlation. Here we call it a pregame, but that would be our one big... So it's one meeting a one week. One meeting a week, that's it, yeah. And how, how, were, they, how were you managed during the week, like how did how did your leadership make sure that you were actually sticking in integrity? Like We were scrupulous about our sales stats. So we tracked everything that we did. Every call, every you know, every minute that we knocked was tracked, every call, every transition, every um, demo, we call them demos, door demos, sit down demos, we tracked all of it. And then those metrics were reported that night, um, 12 years ago through a phone tree no texting, no websites, just a phone call, reporting stats to somebody, and then they'd give you a few minutes of coaching based off the numbers. And that's, cool. that's, that's how the business operates. So, yeah, mainly. I, I, and you gotta give it, I mean, that's amazing that, like, the fact that you're like, man, I'd pull over if I wasn't gonna make it and have, and be in integrity. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, I'm in integrity. Like, what does that mean? And I don't even know if I would've said it that way a long time, like, back yeah. then, but. You know, now being integrity, it's simple, right? If you say you're going to do something, being integrity is doing it. I mean, if you don't, if you haven't made it to your area and you and there's a house there and you know you're not going to make it to your area, you don't drive on the road until it's after eight o'clock and now you're, now you didn't do it. Like you pull over in time to go find the house. I mean, I, I remember at there were some nights at like 9:45 at night I hadn't got all my demos, so I'd go to a gas station, and obviously you're not going to get a sale this way for the most part, but I go to a gas station and say, hey. Here's my books. I sell these. You know, I explain them for 30 seconds. Say sorry, humor me, and at least I showed it to 30 people that day. That was our, our number, 30 every day. So you had a minimum demo. 30 number. every day, every single day. And what's considered a demo? Like demo is showing somebody. I don't. I can't remember exactly, but essentially showing them the books and and demoing the books. What they do. Kids books, study guides. That's awesome. No, and I'm excited. As That's we, old school. As we get into leadership, though, like. It, the principles of how they kept accountability and how they did their phone trees and how they how they convinced three thousand college kids to yeah. work eighty five hour weeks and you know what I mean that's impressive. I mean, Southwestern's heritage it started uh, I believe after the Civil War veterans sold Bibles to pay for college and 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 Nashville Tennessee which is where it's based out of 
was the southwest part of America. Okay. That's, I mean, it's 160 some odd years old. At that this is point. probably the most historical. They're the door oldest. Knocker. They're the oldest direct selling company in America. It goes them, then yeah. probably Kirby. They're 110. There you go. Cutco's probably up there if mm-hmm. you count. You know, and then a lot of people. It's it's funny because there's like people like Vivint. They're like, we're the biggest sales force in the world. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? There's other companies that people don't. They've been doing it for a long time. That they they have such staples, and I'm sure that they're so regimented. They figured out the nuts and bolts of like this works, this doesn't work. Yeah. Adapt. Yeah. And it's just yeah. Refining and finding. Yeah. The smart process. home space is still kind of in the midst of the end of the the introductory wild west heyday phase figuring it out yeah it's 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 transitioning now i think that's cool so what 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 was kind of the transition into the smart home space like that's been now eight years like yeah well my yeah my story is i you know from my fourth fourth summer i graduated college i was a full-time recruiter oddly enough my as a full-time recruiter when you sell books that means you're working like 50 hours a week recruiting um every week of the every week of the month for about four months so it's second semester of college and during that time, 50 hours a week, I recruited a whopping total of one person. <laughs> 50 hours one a week that, one that, four months. One that started the summer, started yeah. Summer. And zero that finished the summer. She quit. So oh, wow. that was a, a humbling, growth-filled experience. But I, I learned I was not a great recruiter when I was 21. Uh, and then I moved to Arizona. So one of my, one of my very good friends, and actually, to, I'll go back real briefly. After my third summer of selling books, I said, okay, I'm done. And I left, and I did some other stuff. And then that later that year, I was selling windows for a while. Um, one of my friends had told me, look, I want to start a business with you, but you need to learn how to recruit. Like, I want to work with you, but after you know how to recruit. Okay. And so I decided to come back to sell books and recruit so I could learn how to recruit, which wow. I may or may not have accomplished. But it was unique because for me, direct sales was always about the, you know, who I got to be on the other side of it. And it started even back then when I was not as good, you know. Sales-wise, I always did great, but in recruiting, I just it wasn't there. Um, so I spent two years with him in Arizona. Moved from Minnesota down here to Arizona, um, working with little startup companies, and none of them. That sounds sexy, but it wasn't that sexy. They were like dinky call centers, and one of them was practically a Ponzi scheme with the guy that owned it just funneling money the wrong way. So I learned a lot about what not to, what types of leaders I couldn't work with. Yeah. And then I kind of stumbled into an opportunity. One of my roommates at the time had sold books and he had started selling alarms. That was before smart home was really a conversation and convinced me to go and give it a shot at least. I was about ready to go sell insurance back in Minnesota, door to door. So I'm like, if I'm willing to knock on doors, I might as well try yeah. in the in the beautiful desert as opposed to the Midwest and the tundra where I'm from. It was like negative 50 there last week. Negative 51 with wind chill. So if you're knocking in Utah or you're knocking in the, it's cold. It's yeah. like, no, yeah. yeah, it was even worse. But, uh, oh, so I didn't, I, I, anyways, I tried alarms. I discovered that there's, you know, the schedule and the finances of the business created a, a possibility for a career and longevity and structure and stability that I'd never seen with books. And I, you know, went out, had a tremendously successful first year, um, jumped into management the next year started learning more hard lessons, which I think we're going to talk about, but just more hard lessons about leadership and and what it really means to lead people and the Yeah, because you weren't the natural, it sounds like you weren't the natural recruiter. You I weren't the yeah. natural leader that's like... I think you're I've person. always been naturally charismatic. Yeah. You know, but I was a dork in high school and uh, pro- still a little bit of a dork now, but I've embraced it. I've learned how to embrace it. But really, it was... 
I remember at one point my first year recruiting, the owner of the company that I was working with had suggested to the guy that I, that I was partnering with as kind of co-managers that he dump me um, because I wasn't doing any of the recruiting, which was kind of true. I wasn't the one making the calls. I wasn't the one getting out there and finding the prospects. I was a very stable um, leader beyond that, but it still wasn't as developed as I needed to be. So we ended up recruiting um, 30 or so alumni from, uh, that had used to work at Southwestern that sold books. It was a really tremendous group of individuals. And we had just had some enormous success and we certainly overpromised to a fault what we were, what these guys, I mean, we, we just thought it would be as simple as walking in and experiencing the same thing as us. And what I hadn't anticipated is that um, I wasn't as developed of a leader to give them the same experience in this industry it's as if it was books or something, yeah. right? I was new to the industry. I was new to the products. And um, ultimately, we had a really good experience in terms of the, the, the averages that those guys earned. Like, it was a great experience. It was fun. But at the end of that season, almost all of them were ready to move on and do something else. Really? Yeah, which was, it kind of boggled me. In fact, I don't, I know, I mean, that whole year, my first two years in leadership, I don't work with anybody that I had recruited in those two years. You so just had to recycle year after year. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the, it's a consequence of not having been developed as a leader to the extent that they need it. And, and that's, yeah, and let's, let's speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, no, and, and, and it's so funny because, so many people think like, oh, I'm going to become a, a divisional vice president and someday, and I'm just like, you got to be a natural. You got to be this like, I don't know, I'll never make it. But I think I'm sure there were moments, like humbling moments, where you're going home and crying on the pillow and just saying, what the freak? Nobody likes me, or you know, what am yeah. I doing wrong? Like this unworthy feeling and the shame that you probably felt was like almost detrimental. Yeah, I mean, I'm an eternal optimist. I think like I, that's definitely one of I, I'm. I'm I'm always seeing the blue skies, probably to a fault, right? To, to a fault that I was less responsible with my own development for a while, like intentional development. And I think I, I thought I was doing more and providing more to the guys I work with than I may have actually been. Yeah, there's not a that difference it between your reality and yeah. what's actually like being communicated. And not that it wasn't valuable, but, but these guys were, I mean, we, everybody probably is familiar with John Maxwell and the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And I think number one is Law of the Lid. And I, I just, I wasn't aware uh, that I was here and they were basically in the same range. Some a little more, some a little less, but I wasn't providing the type of value to them that would keep them around long term and have them be excited to stick around long term and learn from me and grow with me. And I remember one specific scenario, uh, a, a guy, really a dear friend at that point in time, um, we had... By, by nature of us both having sold books, and then he came, you know, he came the next year after I had uh, done alarms and worked with me there for two years. And after the second year, we had this conversation on my porch. I remember in, the, in Phoenix and our little, you know, one bedroom loft thing, and we're on the back porch, and he's telling me that he wants to work with another leader. He's like, I, I'm, I'm done. I love you, but I'm done growing with you. Like I'm not getting the value from my relationship the way that I want to get one from my leader, which was, it took me months to like really get what he was saying. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how did you receive that, I guess? I mean, it felt like a slap in the face. It felt like, a, um, you know, not that I felt entitled to working with him, but I was under the delusion that I was the leader that he needed. 
And yeah. he gave me some great advice. You know, at that point, he said, sometimes you got to be the carrot, sometimes you have to be the stick. Meaning, you don't al- you can't always be the good cop. Sometimes you have to be the bad cop for people that you care about. And, so he and was asking for more bad cop from you. Yeah, yeah. Or saying that, suggesting that I do that for yeah. others, but and that it was too late with him. Which is a really, you know, looking back, fortunate to have somebody who could communicate like that. And I've never forgot that conversation. Yeah, I was going mean, to say, how huge, has that changed, you know, how has that helped pivot you for the future growth of your leadership? The biggest is that I, whatever level or sense of, of entitlement to a position or affiliation with somebody that I had, and I can't exactly remember what that looked like, yeah. I don't have it anymore. I mean, I, I, I'm really crystal clear that leadership is influence and making a difference in people's lives. And if you're not doing one of those two things, you're not leading. You might be managing them, but in my experience, management in this industry is nowhere near as long-lived as leadership. Yeah, you'll get a guy for a summer, and then yep. they move on, yep. or they'll seek leadership. Like yep. people, people are attracted by leadership. Yeah. Well, they want to get something at least. If yeah. it's not, le- if it's not leadership, they'll look for something else. Yep. And maybe the something else is more money somewhere else. And it's it's sad because so many people aren't being exposed to great leadership. In my experience in this industry, because for some people, it's come it's come really easy. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, it was very different than it is today. Not to say it's been easy for people, but I think um, I, I think it's the, the market is evolving to become more complex and demand more systems and more intentionality in growth. Otherwise, it doesn't happen by accident. That's what I was going to ask. So, so the question I would say is, like, knowing where you are now, rewinding back to that manager a year prior to you losing your best rep and your good friend, yeah. what advice would you tell that guy? Oh, yeah. Um, I think, I don't know that I would have listened. <laughs> there's there's a difference know, between, right? exactly. And I'm just saying, you're the coach, speaking to yourself. But if I would, yeah, the yeah. advice I'd give, I mean, it would be that. It'd be like, look, the guys you're working with, the, I mean, for sure, the amount of fraternization, like the amount of times that you choose to be a friend as opposed to a leader, because you can be both, but when you neglect leadership, for, for comfort and friendship, you lose you lose that um, relationship. You lose the relationship as their leader. You you know eat it away slowly, sometimes quickly, right? Yeah. Um, but oftentimes, like at least for Nick and I, it was eroded slowly over time. Um, I wasn't responsible or being responsible for his success. I wasn't making his success my business. It's like we'll do it together. It'll happen or not. And. And that's probably what it felt like to him too. Yeah, I think I think a common mistake that a lot of people make is they seek approval because we all want this natural need of validation and approval, yeah. and it's like I don't want him to like feel bad, so I'm never going to tell him the truth, like, mm-hmm. or I don't want to I don't want to be looked as a bad guy, and and we always we always are seeking the approval versus really what's needed. Like yeah, like that, that honest conversation that Nick had with you mm-hmm. was leadership. Yeah. The no, it is. He was willing to say, "Look, that was growth and contribution." Totally. Exactly. So, kind of fast forward today. Like, is there any other principles of leadership that you have developed over the last few years that you felt like have really attributed to your success? Um, yeah, I th- you know, there's a few. Uh, one of them for sure has been uh, creating. And I know that I think I've heard of other other. I think Ryan Roach might talked about being responsible on one of your podcasts, but. Being responsible, like fully responsible for people's experience and for the situations that they find themselves in, being responsible for somebody's success, 
that is a huge, that's made a huge difference for me. Um, for example, you know, if, if my, one of my senior managers, if I'm coaching or talking to them and there's been a breakdown or they failed to hit a, a sales quota or they failed in a recruiting area or one of the recruits failed, like my first go-to is to be responsible for it. Not to, not to say that they had nothing to do with it, not to say that they couldn't have altered the entire reality, but to first look and discover how is it that I am responsible? How is it that I could have helped this whole thing to be avoided? Um, and that's offered some really great insights and in pointing me in the direction of enhancements that I needed to make as a leader, um, enhancements that we needed to make as a company or that the program needed to make, you know, all sorts of different insights. But, but always first asking, like, how am I responsible and where can I create power in resolving that this doesn't happen again? Yeah, because I think a lot of the common go-to for most leaders is, oh, I just don't have good sales reps. Or, I just can't recruit good people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're really just blaming the fact that you can't take and, ownership and, and give them that. And by the way, even if that's that's the case, because maybe it is for some people, you gotta be responsible for that too. Yeah. You're not, I mean, if I was a victim of my first recruiting experience yeah. ever, you would I would recruit, I would recruit you know, a gal named Alyssa every year and she quit every year and that would be it. <laughs> exactly. Right? Or if I was a bit if it was just the way it was that everybody I recruited would leave and go do something else, you know, we would we've had five years of back to back growth in my organization and it feels growth is amazing, um, both as an individual and to experience it as a as a business and even as a, a subset inside of a business, it feels amazing to make progress. But I didn't always make progress. Hundred percent. Yeah. And people need to realize that. Like, growth doesn't look like this. It looks like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so kind of one last kind of random question on leadership that I was curious. Everybody wants to grow like Bitcoin. Like, <laughs> like my baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ripple now. That's the it's new Ripple. Oh, dude, Ripple I got it. It's stellar. 74 cents, baby. Yes. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> uh, no, so... The, the question I was going to ask was like, what, what's a unique principle or when it comes to strategy yeah. um, or a system like that you found in leadership, like uh, a, whether it's a certain conference call structure or a certain meeting structure? I think over, there's so many right structures. Yeah. Structure is the key. Like schedule is the key. My, again, maybe it's a hallucination I have. But I oftentimes feel like what I'm putting in 40 and 50 hour weeks the last few years, like building myself and, and the business that I work inside of and the teams and the people and all of that, like the 40 to, 40 to 50 hours of intentional work. And for me, that it works in my life. I'm committed to that. If I don't have it scheduled out, it doesn't happen. Either the time doesn't happen. So 40 or 50 hours of intended work time turns into 30 or the, the actual um, scheduled events don't happen. Right? I, don't, I don't get done what I'm supposed to. So for me, one of the best tools has been schedule. I mean, I look back when I, the first time I was ever exposed to it, when, it was, when I was working, doing that recruiting uh, for books, 50 hours a week, and it was scheduled, it was required. You had to schedule your days to a half an hour period for the entire week. Wow. And I mean, it, and it was like, held your feet to, your, to the fire schedule, which is what I do for my guys now. Um, it's taken me years to remember how effective that is and to actually be willing yep. to do it. Yep. And the first couple of years I'm talking about with like Nick, I didn't do that. I was very much nonchalant. just nonchalant, like expecting this business to just blow up in front of me because I got there at the right time. That's not how it works. So yeah, schedule for, for me now, one of the easiest ways to stop wasting time, I found the biggest waste of time is at nighttime. 
and, and if we're going to talk about schedule, I'll maybe start first Just with right now. Yeah, yeah, like well, with during the the we call it build season, but it's you've got your summer season, you got everything else, recruiting maybe is what yeah. other people call it. But during that recruiting season, the build season, you still only have so many hours in a week. You still only have so many hours per day that you are going to be able to put into your business. I know that my last three to five hours at night are typically wasted if they're very late, right? Like the, the longer I stay up past midnight or towards midnight, the less effective I am, right? <laughs> Sleep is more effective than what you're probably Totally. Doing. And because if you go to bed at the right time, then you wake up at the right time, right? Oh, I can't wake. I just couldn't wake up at seven. That's because you went to bed at two. So it starts with going to bed at the right time, waking up at the right time. You know, another, I mean, required component is phys- physical fitness and exercise. You got to be vital. You got to have energy. Um, you need less sleep when you have energy. It's funny. You can actually exercise for free. If you consider just the time commitment because you can sleep oh, less. That's cool. I, I exercise, like that. Yeah. You can exercise for free. Totally. Because your energy makes it so you don't have to sleep as much. Yeah. That's cool. That for me, it's eight hours of sleep if I'm not exercising, seven hours of sleep if I am. It's, I mean, it's almost it's like, science. yeah, science. So that's cool. But I'm, you know, I use a, I use Google calendars for everything. I've got a color coded. Um, the moment I wake up, like that's coded. And I, you know, when I go to work, I, my drive time every single day, I drive into the office. It's been at eight. It's going to be at seven. So I come in at seven. I stay till three. Um, on Tuesdays, I've got a much longer day, but my, um, I do like nine to nine on Tuesdays, but inside of that seven to nine hours or 12 hours a day, I've got that chunked as well. So in, in, in any area by the previous, uh, Sunday that isn't designated. I actually do this on Friday and then I double check it on Sunday. But if it's not designated to be filled with something, then I'll create what I'm going to do in that moment. And a lot of times it just says creation because I'm doing videos or I'm doing a, a collateral or I'm working yeah. on projects or a website. It was funny even trying to schedule the podcast. You're like, oh, I've got my creation moments. That I've got this and this. And it's like, he's like, well, I'm pretty open, but I'm really blocked out. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And, yeah. and, and now it makes a little bit more sense because yeah. – a lot of times we, you know, here, let me see this. So, like, I'm, I'm going to speak to this for a second when we're speaking planners. So, this is a, a DDD planner that I just built, and it's really designed for that. It's designed for, you know, I use Google Calendar as well from coming to an event. But a lot of times, we don't map out the battles that go in those blank moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I know that I have this project that I need to work on. It's not necessarily done, due today. It's due in a week. But are you are you relieving stress by properly planning out moments throughout the week to get it done instead of procrastinating till mm-hmm. the last moment, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's those little moments that it's like, man, I got a free thirty minutes here. I'm not going to take phone calls because if I'm on phone calls, I'm not getting done. Yeah. This. Yeah. And yeah, speak to that for a second because I mean that that to me is probably the most amazing thing when you create a schedule like this and whatever your number is 30 hours 40 hours 50 hours a week 20 hours a week that you that you want to schedule out and if you're in school schedule that too but if you were to schedule out 60 hours a week let's say or schedule out your entire week including all your free time schedule your free time and i'm not the only there's many many smarter people than me that are, that are advocates for this oh, huge. you actually discover that you have a lot more free time than you realize and you appreciate your free time more because you're present to it it's yeah. like the, and the amount of time that we can kill on our phones and, and media and Facebook and whatever, it, it gets out of hand quickly if you're not tracking when that free time is supposed to be. And if I've got calls scheduled, what's funny is like the projects, I think it's called chunking. So when you chunk in an hour or 90 minutes to work on a project, 
my, some of the projects I'm working on are they're 50 hour projects, 20 hour projects. I'm not going to try to sit down for 20 hours and blast it out. Well, and a lot of people that's what they do. Yeah. I mean, they think that that's effective, but it's like really, are you being affected by 20 hour jam sesh when it's like? And mainly, people do 20 hour jam seshes because they procrastinated exactly. forever. Exactly. And they're not prepared. And, and, and the reason they procrastinate is because they're doing other things that aren't as good of a use of their time. Yeah. And when you schedule, just like when you budget, it just brings intentionality. So I've had a, I, I, I use a coach, I've used professional coaches for a while now. If you're a leader in this industry, you are, um, you ought to be using a professional coach. Yeah. And that's like one of the things that we're starting in DDD is DDD coaching division, because we found that so many people think that their manager should be their coach, but there's a difference between like speak to that. There's a difference between I have a manager and I have a coach. Yeah. So first off, yeah. Even if a man, well, no, I, I, I'll go back to it in a second. I was just going to talk about um, what I call and how I view a schedule. So I'll yeah. get back to that. But uh, yeah, very few managers are trained to be coaches, even if that was their only job. Yep. Like coaching is an actual art. It's a profession. I mean, people do it full time. And you look at sports, you look at business, you look at relationships. There's coaches. And their position is to stand, the way I would describe it, is a coach sees you and stands for your greatness. Yes. When you can't see for it and when you don't have the strength to stand for it. And a capable coach, a great coach, can help you to discover it, help you to get connected to it, and typically help you to answer your own questions because most coaches don't have better answers than you have. They it's just can help you to get better, to it. They're really good question answers. Yeah. And the thing about a good coach, at least one that's not involved directly in the business is they don't have a dog in the fight like there's no there's no um, they just want you to win yes there's no desired outcome there's no gain whether you do this or this and by the way I try to bring that in my management and leadership position within the company and I think it's one of the I think it allows you to create a very special relationship with your people when you're willing to be at least as objective as possible it's, it's not perfect but it's abundance versus scarcity totally, leading it's totally. leading with Unintent, like I have no intention. No, nope, no attachment. No attachment, exactly. Yeah, and commitment to people's success. No attachment to it looking a certain way. Yes. I mean, I've, you know, and maybe it's different because I work with a lot of um, college students and interns, and then they graduate. But I'm thrilled when the, the guys or gals that I work with get a great job offer. I'm excited to write recommendations, and like I, as long as doing this job serves them, they should do it. Yeah. When it stops serving them, they should stop doing it. 100%. And we see it in this industry so much is a weak leader that's so scarce that he's like holding his little hen eggs. Mm -hmm. And it's two reasons. One, they're so driven by money and their own personal agenda. Yeah. And two, they have the inability to say, I can go replace. Exactly. They I can't can, duplicate. They can't duplicate. Because they're a leader by, some of them at least, are a leader by accident. They exactly. had enough of the right cousins and friends and brothers and classmates and, oh, here's my business. And yeah. that doesn't last forever. And so in order to be a 12-year veteran in the door-to-door -door space, you have to say, I'm sure you've lost great reps and they've been successful. And yeah. You know, you got to be willing to, to, to grow. Um, keep going. i got to reset this real quick. Okay. Uh, so if you're on live and you know Peter and you're liking this, um, I think I think that's, a, that's such a good principle. So go check yourself. Like, how abundant are you leading? Like, yeah. It's a good invitation. Sorry, go back to your schedule. So the schedule thing. By the way, this is this is good. I've, there's really there's two schedule that I that I've seen that uh, are like this. This reminds me of the only other schedule I should say scheduler that is similar but not the same, and that's um, Cardone's 10x planner. Um, but this 
seems to be much more specific. Yeah, it's super to specific. It's our designed, our business. Yeah, know? it's like you have shred. You talked about so shred stands for sleep, hydration, respiratory exercise, and diet. So Love it. Like, what are you doing? And we talked about sleep, and then sync. What are you doing to connect spiritually? Connect the relationships yeah. and social skills. What are you doing? To, what book did you read today? What yeah. podcast? Like what? Like what are you doing to sharpen the saw? Like you listen to Audible, by the way. Yeah. Like I'm. Are a, you at uh, multiple speed guy yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. I didn't even. I know do I two, had so two X for all books now. And what? I started 2.5 this morning, so that was. So you can just receive, you can get through books faster, and you just soak and, it. and I actually, I actually can focus more too because really? you, it, like a speed reading, you have to focus completely on it, otherwise you lose it. Huh. But like if I'm listening to single speed now, like standard speed on Audible, I get so bored. That's how I am knocking. If I knock without a scooter, <laughs> I get bored because I'm on double speed. Yes. I'm on two x speed. Yes. <laughs> it's great. So I you go two x speed, get there. It's great. You can read twice as many books. Oh, I love that. It's good. No, what? But what we refer to our uh, our schedule as, or what he refers to, what I call it now, it's a, a future existence system. Call it a schedule, fine, but really what you're doing is you're, if you create a compelling future, something that's exciting, something that you want, something that you're supposedly committed to, it doesn't exist unless you take the actions required. Technically, technically you gotta get the results required, but you need to take the actions required at the very least to get the results to have a future, right? My capacity as a human being is limited. Like I've discovered, I've discovered how far I can go without a schedule. <laughs> I discovered that about a year ago, and then since then, I've been on a quest to discover how far I can go with a schedule. That's because cool. like shifting the paradigm. Without a schedule, you're limited. Like you can only keep seven things on the top of your on the top of your mind. There's been studies about that. So to try to remember all the things you're supposed to do and expect yourself to operate as efficiently within all those things, it's ludicrous. So the schedule is a system where you capture the events or the actions needed to create your future. And if you don't capture the events and then use the system to manage the events, you're not gonna have the future. So it's a cool concept. Nugget, yeah. thumbs up, I will like that right Future now. existence that system. So deep. It's, that's, that's what it is. Without it, it's impossible. So that's my big, should my I, big Should I change the name of this to like the future existence <laughs> <system> <laughs> planner? Like that's money, dude, that's good. Yeah, it's, uh, that was the biggest shift for me. Is, and that was even, six, seven months ago, it was right after I started working with my new coach that we talked about this and I realized, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm, I want more. I know I'm capable of more and I keep coming up against this thing. I said, oh yeah, what's the, what's the bottleneck? What's the thing that's stopping me? The biggest one thing that if it changed, everything would start to shift. And I'm like, oh yeah, my capacity to create my future and operate inside of that schedule. Yep. So intentional and then, schedule. Yeah. Like I love that. And I'm more effective and I get to create more and everything else. Because um, so for time's sake, yeah. I want to shift to the last thing, yes. and I want to have some time for that. Yes, um, I could just, like, dude. I think at the end of the day, like, the most successful people, I'm finding there's like common threads in all these podcasts. Yeah, it's those that can dial in their schedule and be super productive with their time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's just a simple principle, but like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, that's how you win. Yeah, is what, exactly what you just said. That's how you win. I ask top reps. What makes you top rep? I just more efficient and work more hours. Yeah, like, pretty simple. Like, yeah, probably even more important than that is that's where you actually experience fulfillment because when you're doing anything less than that, you know you left it on the table. Yeah, at the end of the day, you don't want to look back on the day and be like, "Well, technically, I didn't really work hard." It's like, yeah, you want to tell your wife like, "Technically, I didn't really work hard, so that's why we're broke." Or technically, like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like that's well, not fulfillment. To segue into the last thing, I think we're going to talk about. I mean, that's really perfect. Like. 
there are a lot of super talented people that they look good, but they could be great. Or they look average, but they are, they should be good, or they 100%. could be good. And, and like, that's the, the, the thing that I got most passion for um, back when I sold books was that direct sales is an amazing vehicle to develop yourself inside of, right? It's, it's uh, I tell the guys I work with and individuals I'm recruiting and that we're interviewing, it's a brilliant metaphor for life. I mean, Steve, it is. Like, you look at the no, 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 yes. You look at the work and the perseverance over time and the grit. I mean, the things that business icons and sports, you know, legends talk about, that's this job. There's very few careers or even short-term bursts of careers that give you that type of training ground. It makes me think of the Michael Jordan quote. It's like, I get so much recognition from the shots I made, but nobody counts the shots I missed. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like, I missed way more shots than I made. And in the business world, I think in sports, there's this big opportunity in elementary, middle, and high school to experience in college for some to experience that type of environment. Yep. And then when you get into the business world, there's just not, it's not the same. I mean, to get into a, a leadership position where you can learn to influence others in a very a tangibly, like, trackable way. Yes. That could take 10 years in a standard business. Yeah. It, it could take like two I years. I got promoted to manager after my 10 tenth year yeah. at this company yeah. and now I finally have two guys under me and you're working and the people you're working with they they got their 10 year management track too yeah like, and it's you, like you give me the two year the three, the guy who wants it in three years who's like got rocket fuel you know behind mm-hmm. him and he wants it and he's going to work for it and now you've got to fulfill a leadership role for that guy and it it, um, it creates opportunities to really challenge and develop yourself well it makes my it makes me think of like my first year co-managing was I was I want to say 22, at eight guys, you know, part of my organization, and you know, I'm 22, leading all my buddies, and I look back at that, and it's like everybody asked me, like, my production doubled, you know, my income mm-hmm. went from 80 to 300 grand that year, and it was like, what was the difference? Everybody asked, like, whoa, what, what happened? Why'd you go from 160 to 300 sales that year? Yeah. And it was like, I, I was forced into a position of leadership that I had this accountability and I had this responsibility. I felt to my people. Yeah, and it was almost like a fast track to like growing up. Yeah, it is, and I mean, it's, it's you learn how to be a better leader, which influences your your ability to be a good parent and a great spouse and a great friend, and it just it, if you do this job the right way. And the the challenge is that it there's a lot of easy way out. You know, there's a lot of ways to be lazy and still look successful, especially for the super talented. I mean, some of the most talented people I've worked with have not been the most successful. Yeah. And, you know, and it doesn't matter how much talent you have. It, it matters what you demonstrate. Here's an interesting quote that aligns. It's that quote, I don't know who said it, but it's like the, the key to success is getting enough people where they need to get. By you helping be the catalyst to getting people where they need to be, that's how you become more and more successful. Yeah. And I think that's the principle of leadership. That It's like um, that's the success. When you watch guys develop and develop and be able to coach, like, mm-hmm. you know, like the difference between a manager and a coach mm-hmm. and somebody that can lead and influence versus just kind of being the position out of default like I think that's something that is such a lifelong thing like it but whatever the position is being in any position out of the in, in default mode is it just wastes your life I mean you never know you don't I'm 33 now and you don't have to get that much older to start losing people that you love and have friends disappear around you and like you realize that time is short and if you're gonna invest time into a business that is this challenging, and challenge is a gift to grow yourself inside, right? 
use it for what it is. You know, you've got maybe you're doing this for one season, or maybe it's four years, or maybe you're going to make a career run at it. it I, you know, I don't care if the guys I'm working with are looking at this like a two-year or a ten-year opportunity. I just care that they play full out because at least I know when they're done, they're never going to regret the time or the energy that they spent here because it is such a good training ground. But only if you're using it for that, because yeah. there's a lot of other people that look at it a different way. You know, I, I'm going to tell a quick story that I, I don't know if we're going over time, but I'll usually tell this when I train. I love this story, and I, I don't remember where I heard it first. I heard it in a book last year, and I don't know if that's where I got it, but um, the story is about a uh, traveler who's, who's walking through um, Central Europe a few hundred years ago, and as he's walking down the path, he sees somebody working on what looks to be like this rock wall, and the guy's putting these rocks up, and it looks like he's, got some ma- he's doing some masonry work, and he's grunting and kind of spitting, and the man's got some water. The traveler's got water. He walks up to the man and says, excuse me, and the guy turns around and he's like, what do you want? And the traveler said, hey, I, I was curious what you're doing, and I have some water. And the guy says, I'm working. Leave me alone. I'll take some water. And he drinks the water and throws it back at him, and, and the guy says, have a good day. He's like, yeah, right, and he keeps working. And the traveler walks a little bit longer, and he looks on the side of the road, and it's kind of the same wall. There's another guy working. And... He's got some more water in his pouch, so he figures he'd walk up with his canteen and says, excuse me. The guy turns around and he's like, yeah, I'm kind of busy right now. And the traveler says, just curious what you're doing, and I've got some water if you want it. The guy said, yeah, I've got to work until 5, then I get to go home and see the family, like a couple more hours, then I'm done. Loves some water, drinks it, gives it back to him. The traveler says, have a good day. He says, sounds good. Keeps walking. And then he gets to the end of this wall, and it's like a corner, and there's another guy working, and as he approaches him, he hears whistling. And this guy's sweating profusely down his back, and he's got blood on his fingertips. And the traveler walks up to him, and he just looks at him. He's like, excuse me. The guy turns around, big smile on his face. The traveler says, what are you doing? I got some water. Do you want some? The man says, I'd love some water. We are building the most magnificent chapel in all of Central Europe. The guy gives him the water. They part ways. Same, you know, three people doing the same job. Same exact job. Yeah. Three totally different experiences. And the thing is, not only does the third guy enjoy it more, and not only does he get more fulfillment, but if one of those three is going to become an artisan worth you know, writing about in the historic history books, like it's going to be the third guy. Because he's doing it with intentionality and passion. He's finding a reason to do this hard, arduous task for the benefit of others, for the benefit for, of his family, for his life, as opposed to, A, just going to work, having to do it, being a slave. I just knocked doors like... Totally. That's actually more of like B. The, the A's actually quit usually, but yeah. the B's... Too many people are stuck in that. Like, and you just miss this opportunity to challenge and grow and develop yourself in whatever capacity your leadership or your position is right now. So what advice would you give somebody that's almost stuck in the mindset of B? Of B. Remember, like, like, like what would you tell them? It's it's, like, first, you have to recognize it. I mean, that, you've got to recognize it. And then you have, I feel like it's just a cliche, but it, the, it, the question is, if, if you're not going to start playing full out now, when are you going to start? When is there going to be a better time? There's not, right? And if, and if you can play full out doing one of the hardest jobs that I've experienced and that most of us who've done this and done other things, and, you know, you look at anybody from, like, Mark Cuban to Tony Robbins and, uh, you know, all sorts of these, there's big names that have knocked on doors, and they'll assert that it's an incredible vehicle to train yourself in sales and business and if you're not, if you could throw yourself into that with 100% now, and the rest of life becomes a little bit easier and simpler, think of how good you do that. Yes. Like establish, establish it now. Not good. <laughs> if you, it's like guys that have a hard time loving their job, or 
it's a fallacy. You don't, I don't believe that loving your job or doing what you love is nearly as important or valuable in life as finding a way to love what you do. You don't do what you love. You love what you do. Amen. It's like... Otherwise, you're a victim. You're a victim. I, that's the best way to put it. It's like you, you become this like victim to circumstance. And it and doesn't you, end with work. Yeah, it doesn't. So shifting guys like if you're watching this like maybe take some time to recognize where are you on the wall really yeah it's are you on the a like i hate my life are you at the b or are you at the c that's like sitting there reflecting on man what a cool chapel we're about to build like what a cool legacy we're creating what a cool story to tell my future kids that you know or like what'd you do to to like help help slingshot our family to success like you know what i mean like looking at the 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 big picture and the and the wins of of what we get in this job like i think so many people you know at door to door con and i have a shirt and i think it's all about just creating more unity and culture and honor to what we do and it's just a simple shirt that it says i knock doors and it's and it's deep in the sense of so many people would wear that shirt and so many people would keep it in the closet and say i never want to show anybody this mm-hmm. And it shows, I think a lot of it has to do, and and I'm going to give it to everybody, but I'm curious to see who's the person that's going to hang it in their closet and get dust on it, simply because they're afraid to walk around saying, I knock doors. Yeah. And it shows a lot about who they are Mm -hmm. and their attitude towards the job. Yeah. It's funny. uh, My wife and I were talking about over the New Year's, or maybe it's Christmas, we're doing some traveling we've taken trips this year more than ever it was, it's been really amazing and I've worked really hard to get to a place where we have the flexibility and freedom to do that and, and means and we were talking about our friends that like during college and after college they would talk to like her friends would talk to her and they'd be like how do you guys do that like travel you guys travel for the summer and he oh he leaves and then he's working and like you guys try, you know, you don't have a house. Like you, you rent six to eight months at a time, and then you're gone for four months. Then you just come home for a couple months, and there's no stability. And like, how do you, how do you do that? And then, what's funny is they ask the same question now, but now it's like, how do you do that? Yeah, because like, we're traveling, we're... and we've got like it's just so it, it's amazing the opportunity if if you want, it. and it's not bad if you don't. But for those that think it's in the cards, apply yourself now and and get there quicker because it is. You know, it's a, such an amazing industry to be a part of. It really is, yeah. and we need to we need to like look in the mirror every day and say that to ourselves. Yeah. Like, I wake up in the morning going, "What a blessing I'm in this industry." Yeah. Like, where would I be if I didn't have this? And I'm not talking specifically about alarms and smart home. And I, I I'm particularly passionate about the product and the difference it can make in people's lives. But anything in direct sales, yeah. I mean, and you talk to everybody, like it's the the best product that we have as organizations. It's not the thing that our customers get to play with or put on the roof. It's the program and the position and the opportunity to grow inside of the company. That's the best product we have yes. to offer. Amen. And and the best companies realize that and do something about it the most too. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this, love it. Okay, so we're out of time. And if you're on this Facebook, in that last five minutes of this, if you did not at least break down in tears once. <laughs> I'm ashamed of you. And two, I almost got like choked up and emotional. Like I really did. Like, yeah. cause it's kind of like, you know, you reflect on the last 12 years or, you know, for me, I, since I was 11, that's all I've done. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, everybody asks, when are you going to get a real job? And I'm like, I have a freaking real job. Like, and I love it. Yeah. And I think the more we can embody that, like if there's anything to take away from any of the podcasts that I've done ever would be that. It really would. 
It's just like yeah. own it. Um, so, dude, I, I, I've appreciated this. Like, this yeah, has been, been fun. Deep. This has been fun. So, we'll go deep quick here. Yeah. Hashtag DDD podcast. Share this with somebody that needs it. Tag somebody that maybe it's like fast forward to like minute 30 and be like, <laughs> wake up. Like, wake up. Show this to your rep. If you're a manager and you're like, please, like, grow up in this industry, like, this is where you're, this is this would be a huge impact to anybody like that's listening to this, and I think a lot of people probably phase out after the first three minutes of watching this. So I hope. <laughs> Sorry, we're boring for yeah. the first twenty. <laughs> no, no, the first was good. The first was good, but I'm talking like I almost got emotional the last spot. So if you're watching this still and you're on the live, like tag somebody. It's like and say start at minute forty if you really only have five minutes to watch. If not, like watch the whole freaking thing or listen to the whole thing. But like at the end of the day, like. That is the core to what we do. Mm-hmm. So, love you guys. Share some love. Peter, he's, Thank you. Uh, he's the man. Okay. Let's go. Let's go.